mean, these uh, messages on the Sermon on the Mount, I, I, the, the, the teaching that Jesus gives on this mountainside to his disciples and to those that are listening just seems like such a, they seem so extreme. And, 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 and we may say as we read those, Jesus' recorded words in Matthew chapter 5 through Matthew chapter 7, they almost seem impossible many times. And, and I think sometimes in our Christian walk, we feel like, man, I feel like such a failure or I make so many mistakes and, and how can Jesus receive me? And, and here's what I have to come back to, um, that, that Jesus came to do the very things that we could never do for ourselves. And the reason why Jesus came is to fulfill the acts of righteousness that God required so that we could have a relationship with him. If, 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 if all the responsibility was laid on me to try to reach God in my own righteousness, we would all be instant failures. But what God did for us that we couldn't do for ourselves is he sent his son to fulfill all those acts of righteousness, to fulfill all the commandments that every single one of us broke. And Jesus did it for you and I. And so when Jesus lays out these mandates in the Sermon on the Mount, obviously no one can can fulfill these perfectly. And what Jesus is saying is you have to do them through me. And here here are the things that I expect. Here are the things, if you're going to follow me and and we're going to be disciples of Christ, here are the things that can trip us up. Here are the things that if we set our mind on, if we're not careful, can lead us away from the heart of God. And so what Jesus does is he kind of just lays down this gauntlet and he says, here are the things that God expects. Here's the things, if if you want to know the heart of God and live in uh, the kingdom of God, here are the things that God desires and that God expects. The wonderful thing I love about the word of God is that it it doesn't whitewash or hide people that made mistakes. That's why I love reading like through the Old Testament and even in the New Testament. It just shows the mistakes of people and how God's grace is there to forgive and to restore. And so what we're going to see today is here's an expectation that God has that every single one of us in this room struggle with. So we're all in the same boat here. So just look at your neighbor and say, right now, I struggle with this. Just look at your neighbor now and say, I struggle with this. You have no idea what, what we're talking about yet, but it's going to make sense in just a minute. You're going to say, oh, okay, pastors, right? This is something I struggle with. So if you've got your Bibles, I want you to turn, and we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to specifically look at verse 19. And what Jesus is going to lay out here for us is where we should store our treasures and, 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 and the obstacle that money can have in our lives. And and Jesus is saying, listen, if you're going to live in the kingdom of heaven, here's what you have to put your mind on. And so he's going to share where we store our our treasures. And so if you've got your Bibles, you can open up. Or if you've got your mobile device, you can open up that, or you can look at the screen. So let's look at what the word of God has to say here. We're going to look at verses 19 to 24. What does Jesus have to say about storing your treasures in heaven. He says this. He says, Do not store for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. And if your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, the the whole body will be full of darkness. And if then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Verse 24, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate 
the one or love the other, or he will be devoted to one or despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Okay, so let's see what Jesus is talking about here, because um, this is a struggle that I think every single one of us deal with in our life, and it's the topic of money. So we're going to all take a deep breath. Okay, it's going to be okay. Okay, right as you're like, oh no, we're talking about money. Great, great, great. We're just going to, it's going to be okay. We're all going to make it through. We're going to do good here. So let's just take a deep breath. We're going to do, we're going to do great here. here. Here's what I want us to see here. The issue is we, we put so much value on a piece of paper. So if, if I were to take out this $1,000 bill that I have in my pocket, I'm teasing, it's only 20 right? You, you, we take this bill and, and we put value on this piece of paper, this monetary value, because it represents an amount of money, right? So this is a $20 bill. How many of you say, man, Pastor, I would like that $20 bill, right? Fat chance you're not getting it, okay? Um, how many remember when you were a little kid and you didn't understand the value of money? Remember that? You didn't know how much things cost. And then your parents would say, that's too expensive. And you didn't know. You're like, what are you talking about? I don't, I want that. And you're like, no, that's, and then all of a sudden you began to, you, you, your mind, your, you know, the hamster began to turn the wheel in your brain. You're like, oh, I understand what money is. And then grandma and grandpa would give you money or something. You're like, whoa, you know, and you get that dollar and you'd be like, you thought you were rich. Like, you know, when the tooth fairy would come and when I was a kid, it was a quarter, right? What's up with that, Right. Now it's like 50 bucks. I don't know what it is now. It's inflation and stuff. But you're like, wow, you know, this is. So I remember as a kid, um, there was a kid in my neighborhood and he thought that he could buy an ice cream with Monopoly money. And he actually tried. And guess what? It didn't work, right? Because there was no value in Monopoly money. They wanted this. And the thing of it is that we, 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 we believe, we falsely believe that things... Money will make us feel better and accept it. And, and, and that's really the point of Jesus' message here. We place so much value and security in our currency. And, and we know how much it's worth by the number on the bill. The higher the number, the greater the value. And Jesus understood this. As he's given the Sermon on the Mount, he, he understood the power that money can have over us. And, and here's what we can falsely believe. We can falsely believe that our net worth will give us self-worth. We falsely believe that our net worth will give us what? Self-worth. Now, we all know that we need money to live. And, and it's not necessarily that money itself is the evil. What the word of God says, it's the love of money. It's when we put our value in money. It's when we put our self-worth in money. It's when we feel important because we have money and we think we're better than someone else because we have more or we make more. And so what we end up doing is this. We buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't like. That's the American way, isn't it? Right? 
You know, that's the American way. And, and so what, what Jesus does here is he cuts to the heart and the hold of money that it can have on us. And if we're not careful, Jesus says we can actually become a slave to it. So here was Jesus's point. Whatever you serve, your heart will follow. Listen, we, we all serve something. If you feel like you don't serve anything, you do. Because we all serve something. We are all a slave to something. And Jesus knew that, that what you serve, that your heart is going to follow. And he says, you can't serve two masters and be in the kingdom of heaven. You're going to love the one or hate the other. There's no middle ground here. There's no fence walking here. Your, your, your heart is going to be torn apart if you're not devoted fully to one or the other, and you can't serve two masters. So Jesus guides us in how we can overcome the ties that money has on our heart. And, and so what we end up doing is we use money as our identity, our source of security, and, and it can never do that. It, it, it'll eventually leave us shipwrecked. And so here was Jesus' point, and here's, here's what I want us to grapple with here this morning, because... But once again, it's, it's not money itself. We need money to live and, and to function in, in, in our world. But here's the point. Money is not the issue. It's our attitude towards it. So, so it's, it's, it's money in itself is, is not the issue. It's our attitude towards it. And so Paul says the same thing. He says the love of money is the root of all kind of evil. We look to it to meet all our needs and, 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 and in which it can lead to compromise and then end up serving our own needs. And then we begin to say, if I could just have a little bit more and studies show overwhelmingly that more doesn't equate to bringing more happiness. And so we think if I just had more money, I would be, I would be happy. It would bring more happiness into my life and and, and, and I would, it would change things. And as we see over and over and studies have shown us that it does not bring more joy and more happiness. In fact, uh, the more that's given, the Bible says, the more responsibility it is, has in your life, right? You, you, you worry about it more. When you were a kid, did you worry about money? You didn't, you didn't, you, you know, if you, it was just like, I'm not worried about, it. you know, your parents take care of you and you, you're not, you're not thinking about those things. But the older we get, the more we have, the more responsibility is, the more we have to worry about how do we invest it? How do we pay this? How do we do this? How do we do this? Do we need more of this? We need blah, 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 right? And, and, and it can get overwhelming. Jesus understood that it's the attitude. So what does Jesus say about our attitude towards money? So I, I, I want us to jump into this. And, and let's understand that money's not the problem because we need it to live. The problem comes when it, it, when it becomes our our master, when it controls us, uh, when that's all we think about, when the source of all our arguments stem from money. Can I get an amen, right? Okay, now we're, I'm getting close to home now, right? So if we're all honest with, the, with each other, we're getting close to home. So see, here's the thing. Jesus understood this about us. He knew that our hearts would gravitate towards these things, and these things are short Live. So how do we break, here's the thing, how do we break the chain that money can have on us? 
the, the bond that money can have. How can we break this? And, and Jesus, the Son of God, gives us some wonderful insight here on how we can be set free from the bonds of money and, and the wrong attitude towards money, that we can actually walk in freedom. So, so listen to me closely. It's not the amount you have. It's what you do with what God has given you. And if you can just understand that, it will set you free. So let's, let's, let's dig into this. So for those of you that think, Pastor, I don't have a problem here because I don't have anything. So it just doesn't matter. Remember this. It's not the amount that you have. It's what you do with what you have. And so God says this. And I want us to understand this because we're all in the same boat here. We have to understand that everything that's given to us is given to us from God. And what Jesus is saying is that he is the master. He is the owner. And we have to give the reins to the owner. We have to give up control. This is where, right? I was going to show you my wallet, but I don't have my wallet on me right now. But right, it, it's hard to give the area of our finances to the Lord because that's the one thing that we, we feel that we can control, but it's really there that we're most out of control in. And so what we have to recognize is this. We are accountable to God with what he has given us. Every single one of us are accountable to God with what he has given us. So here's the point. Every single one of us will have to give an account for what God has given us. No matter how small or how great, we are accountable with what the Lord has given us. And so what it comes down to is this. It comes down to a lordship issue. It comes down to who is ultimately in control of my money. Is it me or is it God? And this is one area in my life as I grew in my Christian walk with the Lord, that this principle uh, just smacked me in the face. I, I was like, wow, that makes a lot of sense. Who is in control of my life? Who is in control of my finances? I just can't say, Lord, uh, you can be in control of my Sunday morning between 8.30, right? And maybe 9.45, and that's it. The rest of my walk, rest of my life, I'm in control. And so it becomes a lordship issue. God, are you really... Lord over my life, or am I really Lord over my life? Now, I want you to be Savior of my life because I like the salvation part and the going to heaven and all, all that stuff. That's great. But to really make you Lord over my life, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not sure about that. And so what Jesus does is he says this. You can't serve two masters. You, you, you can't serve both God and money. And so the word serve there in verse 24 is actually the work of a slave. It's not an employee. A slave has a single-minded devotion to his master. And the point Jesus is making is this. He says, is your loyalty for one person? You can't be divided. It's an understanding of exclusive service to one person. A disciple of Jesus can't be divided. Jesus says you'll either be a slave to God and serve him, or you'll be a slave to money. And so when I'm accountable to God, I now understand that I need to become a good steward with what God has given me. And this is basically what a steward is. A steward is someone who manages or looks after someone else's property. 
So what a steward understands is, is this stuff is not ultimately mine. I've been given this to manage and how well am I managing what the owner has given me? Listen. Oh, I haven't done that in a while, by the way. So listen, if you get this, it will, it will set you free. Oh, it will just set you free from the grip that money can have on your heart. It's an ownership issue. You've got to get to the point to where you have to give God control. And I believe the reason why Jesus talks about money more than anything else is because he knew this is the area that has the greatest control of on, on our life. Okay, good. I'm not alone here. I'm, w- I'm with everybody else in that boat. So a steward is someone who manages and looks after someone else's property. So, you know, let, let, me, let, me, let me put it to where you live. Um, if, if you have a pet, and we love our pets. I love our pet, Mopsy, our little dog, our little Cotan, little white, fluffy, little dog, Mopsy. I like Mopsy. When I take Mopsy to the groomer, I want to make sure the groomer is going to take care of Mopsy because we love Mopsy because Mopsy's our little doggy, right? If, if, you're, if, if someone's watching Mopsy, I want to make sure that they're doing a good job watching. If you have a dog and you give someone to watch them, you, you want to make sure someone is, is taking care of them. How about your retirement account? You want to make sure the person that's managing your portfolio is doing a good job, right? You, don't, you, don't want, to, you, you, you want to make sure they just didn't graduate from sixth grade, Right? In fact, maybe some six years will probably do. No, I, okay, I'm not going to go there. Okay. Anyway, you, you want to make sure they're, they're, because it's why. This is yours, right? This was your property. And you're like, you want to make sure, if someone's watching your stuff, you want to make sure they're doing a good job. See, stewardship is all about managing well what God has given us, whether it's a lot or it's a little. And, and, and that's why I love this, the parable, this story that Jesus tells about the talents in Matthew chapter 25. And basically what this story is about is there's this, this owner and he leaves and goes on a trip and he gives three people that work for him, these huge, large, hundreds of thousands of dollars, maybe even millions of dollars to, to three people in his company. And he says, I'm going to go away. And what I want you to do with my money, I want you to invest it. And so he's got three of these. And what he does is he gives this amount of talents or this money. And to one, he gives five. To one, he gives two. To another, he gives one talent. And each of these talents were extremely large amount of money. And the owner expected the servants to invest the money. And when he came back, the one that had five doubled, the one that had two doubled, but the one that had one talent, the least amount did nothing with it, but in fact buried it because he didn't want to mess up. And then the owner comes back and says, why didn't you do it? You could have least put it in the bank and got interest, but you did nothing with my money. This was my money. And I expected you to do something with it. See, and this is what we need to understand. For the servant with the one talent, it, it wasn't his right and decision to bury his talent of this owner. His responsibility was to honor the wishes of the owner. And he didn't do that. And so this parable is all about what are we doing with what God has given us. What are we doing with the great salvation that God, am I keeping it to myself? Or am I saying, God, you've changed my life and now my life has been changed because of you and now no longer am I my own, but I am yours. You've bought me with a price and now I am your servant, Lord. 
do with my life with what you would want to do, God? Am I laying my life down for you? Once again, it's a, it's a lordship issue. When a couple fights, and their fights boil down to ownership, that's not a good thing, right? And, and, and many couples, when they fight, they fight over whose is what. I made this money. This is my checking account. I can buy what I want. How many know that's not a good thing? Why? Because there's a division within the ownership. This is mine, and you can't tell me what to do with my stuff. So I can buy what I want, when I want, and how much I want. You're going to see a crack in that mirror. Right? It's not good. And that's what Jesus is talking about. See, when I hear mine, not ours, there's an issue. And so what Jesus is stressing here is Jesus is the owner. I am the manager. And we have to get that settled in our mind first. Okay, so if we get that settled, the lordship issue that God you're the owner, I'm the manager. If you get that settled in your heart, now, you, now we have to take the next step here. Here's another step that you need to take. So if you get that step, that, that's the first huge hurdle. If you get over that hurdle, we're, 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 smooth sound. We're, we're going we're, we're, we're we're to make it, okay? So here's, here's the next thing. How, how do I, Pastor, how do I, because it's so easy to morph back into that, isn't it? Right? It's so easy to morph back into this stuff's mine and we begin to worry over money and we, money begins to take control of us. Then we, get, then we need to begin to say, well, well, how do, I, how do I break this cycle in, in my life? What practical steps can I take to do this? And here's what the word of God gives us. Listen very closely. Giving to God breaks the hold of money in my life. Giving to God breaks the hold of money in my life. Jesus says, store your treasures where? In heaven. So when we give to God, what we're doing is we're actually sending it ahead of us. Where moth and rust cannot destroy. So what God is saying is, Jesus, when you give to God, when you store your treasures in heaven, it goes ahead of you. It, it has an eternal value. It, it, it's not short-lived. It, it doesn't have a shelf life. When I give to myself, and I take care of myself all the time, and I try to invest myself, it has a shelf life. It, it has a value that's not going to last. But, but Jesus, give to me, store your treasures in heaven. So Jesus tells, store your treasures in heaven where it will not be destroyed. Remember this, all wealth on earth will fade today's Treasures are tomorrow's trash. They just are. I should have preached this message in a garbage dump because we look at all the stuff that we consume, right? America, we are huge consumers, right? We consume and we consume and we consume and we consume more and it's bigger and it's better and it's greater and it's, you know, whoo, it gets overwhelming, doesn't it? I got to have this because it's bigger and it's better. Honey, this thing is improved. It's going to change our whole lives. 
and it's just toilet paper. Okay, I don't know how you can improve on that, all right? I don't know, but you can. Changes our whole life, right? So, there is a, I read this book, my summer reading, great book by Bob Goff called Love Does. I don't know if you ever read that book, just love it. And, and this, this, this guy's life is just incredible. He's a, he's a lawyer who works in Uganda to help children who've been falsely imprisoned, just does great work for the Lord and just a neat, neat guy. Well, he tells a story um, about his family and he played this game with his kids and it was called Bigger and Better. I've never played it, but it was kind of a cool game. And what he does is he gave his, his son, Richard, a dime. And he said, what I want you to do is I want you to go around the neighborhood and trade up. So go to the neighborhood and say, I've got a dime. Is there something that's better than a dime that you can give me that I can trade up? So he gave him the whole day to do this. So son, Richard, goes around the neighborhood. And he has this dime. He goes to his neighbor's house and he knocks on the door and says, hey, I, I got a dime. You got anything better? And, and the Guy goes, well, let me check with my wife. Hey, honey, do we got anything in the house that's better than a dime? You know, the neighbor's son's here. He's looking, he's playing this game, blah, blah, blah. Can we help much? Because sure. So he ends up walking out of the house with a mattress. So he has a mattress. No lie, this is a true story. Dragging the mattress around the neighborhood. Goes to the next house and he says, hey, I've got this mattress. You've got anything uh, better than a mattress? I'm playing this game uh, bigger and better and, and, and I'd like to, to, to trade up. And so the guy says, yeah, sure, we got something better than a mattress. So he, he trades the mattress and he ends up walking out with an elk head. So he's got this huge elk head. And he's walking down the street and eventually he's playing this game and he's keep trading up. He goes, by the end of the day, my son came back to our house and a Dodge truck. No lie. A Dodge truck, which I think they eventually gave away anyways. And, and, and he, here's, here's, here's what his point was. Here, here's his point. We think, listen, we think by holding on to our stuff that it's going to make us better. And Jesus says, when you give your life away, you always trade up better. When you give your life to the Lord, you trade up to something so much greater. See, Jesus is not trying to hold anything from us. We think, well, if I'm in control and I hold on all to this stuff, but Jesus, if you give to God, you give to something better. When you give to the Lord, it gives something better. It, it reminds me of the, the parable of the rich young ruler that Jesus ran into. It's in all three, it's in, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And, and this rich young ruler comes up and says, Jesus, well, what can I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, oh, I've been good. I, I've been keeping all the commandments. This guy was sharp, young. You know, he had, he, he was, he was on top of it. But then Jesus says to him, well, sell all that you have, give to the poor and come follow me. And what happened to the rich young ruler? He didn't follow Jesus. He couldn't do it because of his great wealth. The money had too much control on him and he didn't realize that he would be actually trading up to follow Jesus because the money had too great of control on his life. See, when we give up ourselves, we get Jesus. And see, the, 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 the issue with the rich young ruler is he didn't understand what he was getting. Jesus gives us the chance to let go of anything that will give us a false sense of security. You see, the early Egyptians, the, the great pharaohs, thought and they believed that if they were buried with their treasures, their treasures would actually go with them to the afterlife. Did that happen? No, what eventually happened is robbers looted a lot of these pyramids and stole many beautiful artifacts because guess what? It didn't go 
with them. And Jesus is saying, listen, if you give to God, it's going to go ahead of you. You're going to be storing your treasures in heaven where nothing, robbers can't steal it, moth can't eat it away. These are things that you're storing for God that will last forever. I like what Psalms 49 16 and 17 says, it says, listen, do not be overawed when others grow rich, when their splendor of their houses increase, for they will take nothing with them after they die. Their splendor will not uh, descend with them. Great sobering passage here. You see, Randy Elkhorn makes a great point. He says, I can't take it with me, but I can send it ahead. I, I, I can't keep things here on earth, but I can send it ahead. What's the meaning here? What, what, things am I investing in that actually have eternal significance? And what Jesus is saying is when you give to God, you're literally investing in people. When we invest in the kingdom of God, we lay for ourselves treasures in heaven. And, and, and that's one reason why I love going on, on uh, missions trips. And I love when people go and and our church i love that uh, the the major emphasis on our church is is missions and giving um and it just hit me this year in panama i actually have a picture of the church that we built last year in panama what hit me here is where we were is in, in panama there was no church presence there in this community and, and so we went there, and this was a brand new church built, no church there. We spent a week building this church, the foundation we built, the roof we built. And then we had the first church service in this building, and we didn't know how many people were going to come. We didn't know if anybody would come. And little bit by little bit, we had 50 people that came to church that morning, brand new church. And 35 people came forward to receive Christ as their Lord and Savior. I would say that's a good day. I would say that's a good day in the Lord, right? Brand new presence, no evangelical witness there. And so we're able to, to build this church. And as I was standing back, I was just thinking about investing in this project was more than the bricks and the mortar and the roof. Because that's going to pass away. We understand that. But what we ended up doing was investing in people's lives that have eternal significance. That's what happens when you give to the kingdom of God. That's the thing I want to invest in. And it was just standing there watching the people come. The Lord just reminded me, Barden, this is what you're in. Because I'm not a construction person. I'm terrible at construction. But I said, God, just use me. You know, help me put on the roof or lane block. I'll do whatever I can, Lord. Because I know ultimately it's not about the block and the concrete and the roof. It's about people. And it was great watching the, the guys that were there helping to build it share their testimony and tears in their eyes because they got it. They understood that it was about people. That some of these people gave up a week of work and pay to go on this trip. And they said it was worth every bit of it because of the lives that were changed. If you can get a, if you can get a grip and a heart for that, you're your entanglement to money will easily be broken. You will never know until you get to heaven what a difference your giving makes. I'll tell you one thing. I, I want to get to heaven and 
I want someone to come up to me and say, Barton, thank you for giving. It made a difference in my life. I can't wait to go to some people and say, thanks for giving because it made a difference in my life. Thank you for obeying the Lord. Thank you for listening to God. Thank you for investing in the kingdom of God. I want, you, I want your mind to get focused on that and what it means to give to people. Randy Elkhorn, in one of his books, tells a story about Alfred Noble. And it was in 18, or 1888 when Alfred Noble was a Swedish chemist when he made his fortune investing and producing dynamite basically for, 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 for killing people. And his brother Ludwig had died in France, but now Alfred's grief was compounded by his dismay because he had just read an obituary in a French newspaper, not about his brother, but his. They got their names mixed up. And so he's read, they've got his name in there, and he's reading about the obituary about himself. And the editor had confused the brothers, and the headlines read this, the merchant of death is dead. And Alfred Noble's obituary described a man who had gotten rich by helping people kill one another. And shaken by the surprisal of his life, Noble reside, resolved to use his wealth to change his legacy. And when he died eight years later, he left more than $9 million to fund the award for people whose work benefited humanity. The award became known as the Nobel Prizes. Alfred Nobel had a rare opportunity to look at the assessment of his life and at its end still have a chance to change it before his life was over. Nobel made sure he had invested his wealth in something of lasting value. And here's what Jesus says about kingdom giving. Because where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Jesus says, this is where I want your heart. Don't be focused on yourself and on your own giving and all the things that benefit you. Listen, we, we need to live in, in, in and, and yes, money helps us to live. But he says, listen, make sure that you're investing in the kingdom of heaven. And so let me... Let me give you a practical way, because this is something I had to learn. Some of you may understand this, some of you may not. There's a principle in the Word of God that I think helps us to keep on track with giving to the Lord and making sure that we're generously giving to the Lord. In the Old Testament, there's this principle that God laid out for the Israelites, and it was the principle of the tithe. And the tithe is, is basically means it's, it's, it's a tenth. It means 10%. And what God said to them, he said, listen, before you give to anything else, give to me. Give to me that tithe. And in fact, what God says in Leviticus, he says, listen, th when you give to me, he says, not only are you going to give me, but I want you to make sure that this tenth is holy, that you set it aside for me. You just give it to the Lord. And it's this first giving. God, I want to give to you first because you're first in my life. Um, um, before anything else, I want to give to you first. And so what the principle that, that we see here that God is laying out for us is the principle of first. Give God to first. The first day of the week I come to church, I want to give this week to the Lord. When I wake up in the morning, I want to say, God, you're in control of my life. I'm going to give you the first part of my day. It's this principle of first, recognizing that God, you are Lord over my life. 
Now, we can jump in the New Testament and say, well, Pastor, where is that in the New Testament? And I would say this. I would look at tithing as training wheels. It's a place where we can start. It's a place where we can say, um, God, I, I don't want to be legalistic about this, um, but you tell us to give everything to you. I want to give you my whole heart. I want to give you my whole, whole life. And here's, here's the important thing about the tithe. The important thing about the tithe is that it's undesignated giving. This is where I just say, God, I'm going to give you this amount, um, and I'm going to give this to to. to to the body of Christ, to where I'm being fed. I'm going to give this to you, Lord. It's undesignated. I'm not telling you where to put it, Lord. I'm just, I'm just giving it to the Lord. Now, there are things that we do designated giving, like to missions or to special projects or whatever, and that's fine. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Listen, listen, listen. Okay, listen. When I designate my giving, which is okay, I'm telling it where to go. I give undesignated giving. I'm saying, God, you use it for your glory wherever you need it. I'm just giving it to the body of Christ. I'm giving it to you, Lord. You use it wherever you need. It's not wrong to give. In the the Old Testament, we see offerings that were given for specific things, but there was something about that tithe that was just given unto the Lord that was holy, that God said, just give it to me. Allow the priest to distribute it where they need. That's so important for the body of Christ and the function of the church. And so when I give an undesignated gift, my tithe to the Lord, I just say, God, you use this wherever you may need to use it in your body for the glory of God. And I'm just going to give it to you and you use it, God, to where you need to use it. When I designate giving, I'm, 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 I'm moving it where I want to do And that's okay. We can do those things and we do those things. But I think more importantly is that undesignated giving. Where I say, God, this is my tithe. And this is holy. I don't want to touch it. I don't want to tell it where to go. I want to use it for you, Lord. Kathleen and I have been doing this for years. And we've never been without need. God's been faithful. And I know some of you here today, you've been struggling with that. You've been justifying it. And God says, give me control and see what I do. Give me control and see how I bless you. This is not about, I'm giving to the Lord and now I'm going to wake up tomorrow and there's going to be a Cadillac in my driveway, okay? Or, you know, uh, Ed McMahon's going to show up to your door with the publisher's clearinghouse sweepstakes, right? Could happen, but that's not the reason why I give. The reason why I give is because I want my heart to be after God. I want my treasure to be in heaven. I want God's hand of blessing on my life. And every single one of us struggle in this area, including myself. And I believe the tithe helps break that bond that money can have when we first give to the Lord. So my prayer for you today is that you would pray and ask God, God, is this a struggle in my area, in my life? Is this a place where my heart is really tied to the world or is my heart tied to giving to you? And God, help me to break this by, by taking this step to give to you truly. And watch what God does in your life. Challenge yourself to do this. I believe God's word is true. And I believe Jesus has our best interest at hand here. 
So ultimately, I'm accountable with what God has given me and you're accountable with what God has given to you. Are we being good stewards with everything that God has given us? So Lord Jesus, right now as we as we just lay our hearts before you today, I pray, God, that you would challenge each and every one of us in this place in the area of giving, that we would look at our lives and we would say, God, am I really being generous? Are you really Lord over my finances? And God, I pray that there would be some heavy-duty discussions, maybe one-on-one with the Lord or maybe even between couples and married couples, God, of, of this area of their giving and, and really asking them, this, them, God, are we faithful in this area or, or, or are we following something else? And so, God, I pray that you would speak by your Holy Spirit to every single heart here today. And God, let us be, let us be the people that invest in the kingdom of heaven. Thank you, Lord, for everything you do for us. You're such a good God. We understand that every blessing comes from heaven. And so, Lord, we want to be faithful with what you've given us while we're living here on earth. Help us to have the mindset that, God, we can't keep it here, but we can send it on ahead. And so, Lord, help us to have that mindset to walk in that. And I pray, God, that you would just set people free from the bondage that money can so easily have on us. So set your people free, God. And I thank you for your blessings that you give to us when we get this area of our life in order. So God, just take hold of our hearts, we pray. In Jesus' wonderful name. In Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.